So right before the pandemic sent us all home, the YMYW email inbox was jammed full of Roth IRA conversion questions and a lot of others. And honestly, that's not uncommon. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, we're going back to the days when we could all be in the same room together when Joe and Big Al answered a bunch of those questions and more. They'll break down the pro rata rule on Roth conversions with an inherited IRA, contribution and conversion limits, Roth conversion tax bracket planning to account for the loss of a spouse, and the state income tax impact on conversions. The fellows also discuss what to do about earnings on a reversed excess IRA contribution, the effect that dollar cost averaging has on the first in, first out, or FIFO rules for long-term and short-term capital gains tax, zero coupon bonds, whether to use the brokerage option in your 401k, and more. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Dave writes in with no location given. Um, so next time he writes in, he, yeah, I, I would, I thought you were going to say fail. He did fail. Um, but it's interesting because he goes, hello, YMYW team. He's got to be a, a listener. Yeah. That, I mean, that YMYW, goes YMYW. Yeah. I mean, right? Your money, your wealth. Yeah. But he doesn't give a location. So interesting. Yeah. I love the show and all the great info. Keep it up. This question is for Big Al as it is tax related. Apparently, I know nothing about taxes. Yeah, so I, I guess I better listen to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, I inadvertently had an excess contribution to my IRA in May 2019. I reversed it in January 2020 such that it was before the tax filing deadline. As a result, I have a small amount of income, $120, that was also reversed out of my IRA. Calculated by my brokerage... That was earned in 2019 during the time that the funds were in the IRA. Uh, the brokerage told me that they will not issue a 1099R for 2019, inclusive of the additional income, but that they will issue a 1099R for the 2020 tax year in January 2021. How should I handle this additional income? Can I just recognize the income on tax year 2020 without incurring any penalties? Uh, such that I am consistent with how the brokerage reports to the IRS, or should I add it to my 2019 tax year's miscellaneous income? So, Dave put money into an IRA. Uh, he must have put money into a Roth IRA. Well, not necessarily. Maybe he put too much into the regular IRA. Maybe maybe has with uh, periodic withdrawals and it just overdid. I inadvertently. Had an excess contribution of my IRA in 2019. It could be a Roth too. So we reversed it. So right. okay, so and he reversed the whole thing. Is that what you're getting here? No, he just he would have reversed the excess. Okay, and like, then like, there was like, a, there was 120 dollars of earnings on the excess pro yeah. rata of yes. whatever earnings or that he had on the excess contribution. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy calculation because the calculation is is what are the earnings that you would have earned on that excess part, right? So and, he let's say it was a $100 excess contribution. Yeah. And so they're going to say, "All right, well, here you add Well, they they're, they're going to look at the 
12 when, cents of when, earnings on yeah, $100? When, when the contribution came in or if there's multiple contributions, it gets pretty complicated. Have your brokerage house help you <laughs> with this calculation, first of all. But uh, yeah, I mean, so what, what, they're, what they're trying to get at is how much extra earnings you had in your IRA or Roth IRA as a result of, of contributing too much. So the, the limit is $7,000. Right. So Dave put in 7000 plus. Right. And so the, he took out the excess on top of the annual allowable amount, and it showed up that there was $120 of earnings on that excess contribution. So the excess contribution went back to his brokerage account along with $120 of earnings. Right. Brokerage house says, we're not going to issue a 1099-R for the year that it happened. We'll just issue it the following year. Right. So Dave's like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm Dave, gonna... it's $120. Who cares? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good question. <laughs> Am I going to get penalized? Yes. Um, two cents. Yeah, right. So I'm going to give you two different answers. First of all, the official answer, and then what I would do. You like that? <laughs> yep. Okay. So here's the official answer. And this is any time you put too much money into an IRA or a Roth IRA, and you find out after the fact that that's true. So in general, there's there's this 6% excise tax uh, that you have to pay each and every year that you have excess um, IRA contributions or Roth contributions. But if you take that money out by the due date of the return the following year, which is April 15th or up to October 15th if you extend your return, then you can avoid that uh, that six percent penalty, but you do have to take the earnings out that are attributed to that excess contribution out as well. And then, uh, and so what? But you, if you're under fifty nine and a half, you may have to pay a ten percent penalty on the earnings part. So just remember that, as well as ordinary income. So here it's only a hundred some dollars, so it's not that big a deal. But it's a little bit of a quandary because you're supposed to report that in the same tax year. Right. In fact, if you filed your return, you're supposed to amend your tax return and put it in the year before's tax return. But the brokerage house sends a 1099 the for the following, following year. year because that's when you did the reversal. Yeah, because they're cash basis, and that's when you receive the reversal. So, it, in in my view, even though what I just told you is the correct answer, I would follow the 1099s and and record it next year because otherwise you may get a notice from the IRS saying you underreported your income. Yeah. What is this? And then you have no proof of it because yeah. there's no 1099 reported to the IRS. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if you want to be exactly correct, you go ahead and put it in 2019's tax return, and then in 2020, you put it again, but then you back it out with an explanation. It's just sloppy, I, I think. It, I think $120, I would just do it the way the 1099s come out. I would just throw it away. <laughs> you would just spend it. Forget about this. Let them catch me, right? <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. For, he could feel my eyes for, on him. <laughs> for the IRS people out there. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, we got his name is Joseph <laughs> Dennis <laughs> Anderson. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, uh, we got PB. 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 That's a name initial, that's or is how, that a location? That's how the the email was signed. Okay. All PB. right. Love PB. No, didn't say Pat, that. Pat Pat Valentine. Hello, everyone. I am uh, 35. Yow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love the yow. Is it, that is that the way they write it, or is that's that that's how they write it? Yeah. Oh. I'd I'm like 35, that. yo. I'd say 35, yo. And file jointly with my wife. I make 170k. My wife makes 100,000. I have one traditional IRA with nothing in it. I open it with sole purpose of doing a backdoor IRA. I'm contributing after-tax dollars from my paycheck and make too much money to contribute directly to a Roth IRA. 
what is the limit that I can put into an IRA and then convert it into my Roth IRA? My plan is to do 1000 every month. Is that legal? <laughs> Thank you for doing what question. you do. I enjoy the podcast a lot and uh, tend to sit down after and try to follow the complex episode math. All right, PV. That's just confusion, PV. Yeah. Um, no, that is definitely not legal. Did you like the double, triple negative? I think I did in that sentence. <laughs> yeah, I'm not following you. Is that, does no, that mean definitely it's... not. No, you cannot do that. It is illegal to do $1,000. Well, it's not illegal. It's what? just an excess contribution. $7,000 is the max, depending. How old is he? Wait, oh, 30, he's 35, yo. 35, yo. Sorry, 35 years old. I beg to differ. I think that's totally legal. I think you do 1000 a month for yourself, and then after six months, do 1000 a month for your wife. Oh. There you go. Totally oh. legal. Okay. There you go. So yes, you could do it for you and your wife. You would have to do. So confused. Well, what? What? Yeah. So, so that would be twelve thousand dollars over the course of a year. And at thirty-five years old, you can only put six thousand dollars into an IRA, but husband and wife can each put six thousand. So he's looking to do a backdoor Roth IRA. He's maxing out his four hundred one k. He's doing, um, but he wants to do more, right? Yeah. So he's doing after-tax dollars from his paycheck into an IRA, and then he's going to convert that to a Roth. Okay. Right? Yeah. You could put $6,000 into a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. So he gets to June 30th, and he's got to stop that part. If he started in January. Yeah. Right. And then he can still put another $1,000 a month, not in his, but his wife's. Okay. All right. And she gets another 6000 starting July through December. I think yeah. It's, I think it's brilliant. Anyone can fund it, too, PV. So if you want to give your wife a nice little... Um... PV's going to do the complex math. So he'll do the 1000 for each month, add it up, 6000 Yeah, that works. Uh, all right, we got John. He writes in from South Carolina. Great show. Thanks for the information. Uh, thanks, John, from South Carolina. I want to get to South Carolina one of these days. I do, too. I've never been. I I've want been, to play some golf there. I've been to Florida. Hilton Head's in South Carolina, right? I believe it is. Yeah. Uh, wife has an inherited IRA presently taking RMDs on her life expectancy. She also has a spousal IRA, traditional, with non-deductible contributions. Basis, approximately half the value of the account. If she wishes to start doing Roth conversions, does the inherited IRA factor into the calculations for the pro rata rule? Wow. All right, John. Been doing some reading. Yeah, Throwing right. out some big words. Yeah, that's right. A little pro rata rule. Got a lot of big words and a small question. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I know. Very condensed. Thank right. you, John. Usually I have to read for like 25 <laughs> minutes to get to the meat. It's like this is right to the point. I like it. I do. Um, all right. So let's talk about the pro rata rule. Uh, pro rata rule is that if you have basis in an IRA, so he says he's got one IRA, half of it is basis. So he put in, let's call it $10,000 of after-tax contributions. The IRS is not going to re-tax those contributions because they've already been taxed. So that's when you contribute to an IRA, but you cannot deduct those contributions. And the balance now is $20,000. Okay. So he says, okay, well, if I want to do a conversion, 50% is basis, 50% is Pre-tax yep. or earnings, yeah. Right. So if he converted, let's say twenty thousand dollars, he would pay tax on ten thousand. Okay, I agree. Because the other ten thousand is basis. So the, that's the pro rata rule: fifty percent, fifty percent is basis, fifty percent is non. Yeah. And so if you convert something less than 
twenty thousand, like half of it, then five thousand would be tax free, and five thousand would be taxable. Yeah, pro rata rule. Pro rata rule. So now he's thinking, hey, my wife, she just inherited an IRA. Does that IRA now join the party? Is that included yeah. in the pro rata rule? So they, the IRS will look at certain IRAs or certain retirement accounts and say, this is included in the pro rata rule. This may not be included in the pro rata rule. An inherited IRA is included. A spousal inherited IRA when it's put in the spouse's name, right? Cool. Which is, which is what it looks like. Wife has an inherited IRA presently taking RMDs. It's an IRA. And what, it's an it's a inherited IRA. We don't know that it's spousal, though, oh, right? Oh, you know what? I it's got, not a spousal. It's an no. inherited IRA. I, read, I heard that wrong. I was thinking I, spousal's on the next line. She you, also has a spousal IRA. Ne- never mind. Inherited IRA is, is a separate thing. Correct. And is it included in the pro rata rule is no. what I'm asking you? No. You don't think it's included in the pro rata rule? No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Inherited IRA? Uh, I don't think so. Now you're making me wonder. I'd say that's my final answer. Final answer is not included. Correct. You don't know, do you? I thought it was included. I don't think so. Well, oh, we got a difference of opinion, perhaps. If it's an well, why would it be? It's not. It's not even in your name. It's an, it's, a, it's, it's in a, the, the deceased name. Yeah, right. And you're just a beneficiary. Right. You have to take the RMDs. And yeah. now with the Secure Act, you've got to pull it out. Are you going to rethink your answer? Yes, I am. <laughs> now I'm thinking it through. Sometimes, you know, I, was, I jumped the gun. I was excited. You're trying to jump all over me. I know. Well, uh, see, may, that, that's may, how I ask questions. May, so then it, then it makes other people think that they're wrong. It, you even do. though I'm dead wrong. You're really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I did look it up. And at least according to IRAhelp.com. Uh, they are not included. Yeah, I, I knew that answer, but you see, you're really good at this. It's like, it's like, what's your mom's name? Betsy. Is that really your mom's name? I think so. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> oh boy. Yep. All right. Very good. Um, but if it was a SEP IRA, a simple IRA, it would be. It would be included. I, I agree but with you're that. right. Um, an inherited IRA. Um, a spousal IRA but is actually, also included. Actually, let's answer it the way I did, which is an incorrect assumption. But what what if she inherited an IRA from her former spouse? That would be included. If it were put in if her name. If it put in her name, but if it kept in the decedent's name, yeah, it would cause, not. Because she would have a choice, right? Keep it in the decedent's name or put it in her own name. And if, you put, if she put it in her own name, then it would be included. So, all right. Very good. So, yeah, we got us. Um, we got there. Yeah, we, we, we got there. As this was recorded after the SECURE Act was signed and before the CARES Act Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Stimulus Package went into effect, the rules for required minimum distributions has changed for this year, and there are new provisions for retirement account withdrawals, small business loans, stimulus payments, and much more. Find out how the absolute latest information affects you. Download the CARES Act guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and watch our latest weekly market update with Pure Financial Advisors Director of Research Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, and special guest Apollo Lupescu, Vice President of Dimensional Fund Advisors. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to access these resources in the show notes, or just visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click listen to podcasts to get to the show notes for every YMYW episode. This is from Andy, Cincinnati, Ohio. 
folks, great show. Plain speak, honest answers. I mean, that's a tagline yeah. right there. I, th- I think that's our new <laughs> tagline. Andy, thank you. All right. Uh, we hear a lot about what one expects as future tax brackets. However, the tax bracket review only works if one situation remains constant. A married couple with a loss of spouse immediately jumps to a single bracket. In most cases, this would increase taxes dramatically, regardless of government. Converting some money to a Roth decreases RMDs would be an advantage both to the remaining spouse, but also in positioning monies for the next generation. I think this follows your rules of having money in tax-deferred, tax-free, taxable accounts, almost like the old three-legged stool. Uh, then one could decide on fund stock al- um, on their fund or stock allocation. Large, mid, small, etc. Within the assets with some thought as to where certain funds are best positioned. A short course or webinar on this would help. Thanks again for your sage advice presented in a comfortable conversational format. Uh, he must be like marketing. <laughs> yeah, he's, that's smooth, right? Yes, it's like we got the great ta- show. We got a tagline, sage advice, and he's, honest answers. It yeah. just reminded me we did get another comment from somebody who said you make it fun to learn this boring crap. Yeah, <laughs> because we're just having a lot of fun. Vodka, yeah. vodka helps. <laughs> we we uh, we do like this stuff. <laughs> oh my god, Alan! <laughs> yes, we do. It's a, it's <laughs> just what I live for. <laughs> So what does he want? I don't, I don't even know what the other question was. It's a comment. Yeah, oh, I, it's a comment. So I, we're, so I, we've taken I all. I, I agree with the comment. So, the, so he wants a webinar or a class based on asset location? No, based upon the tax brackets will change for a surviving spouse. And that's absolutely right because the married brackets, they're actually the same uh, uh, tax levels, 10%, 12%, 22 24 But when you're single, it, you actually hit those higher brackets twice as quickly. So in other words, you get to the higher brackets more quickly. So here's what happens with a married couple is they're going along in their tax bracket thinking, all right, this is what we're up for, where we are for life. And then one passes away and the survivor all of a sudden is now filing single. And now they're in actually higher tax brackets with similar income. So it is, it is a true statement. I'll tell you, Andy, why we don't bring it up too much is I always hate to talk about tax strategies where you're losing a spouse. But your comment is absolutely right. And sometimes, in, certainly in cases where maybe one spouse has more impaired life expectancy, this is kind of a huge strategy. Go ahead and do the conversions while you're in the married brackets. And in certain cases, we'll have a, like we have a, actually a couple clients right now, where unfortunately they lost their spouse in this current year. And so we're doing bigger conversions. Because they can still file married. Because they can still file married in the year that the spouse passes away. And by the way, if uh, if you're married and a spouse passes away and you have minor children, you can actually file married in the year and then two more following years after that. So that's that that is a good time to do Roth conversions. Minor children definition uh, below the age of nineteen. How about if they're in college? Uh, Still nineteen? I think it's nineteen, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, because. They change I, that if they're in like college, it's yeah, like but that's that's for, for health insurance. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I could be wrong on that, but anyway, that's that's the idea. That uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. If uh, 
if you do Roth conversions in a married bracket and later one of you obviously would be in a single bracket with a survivor, then you'll be happy that you did the conversions well in the married, the lower married brackets. So that's just a comment to a comment. All right, yeah. Um, we could do a short course or webinar on all sorts of different things. So all of you, give us your comments on what you would like in that we have a TV studio that we're building in our office. Yeah, for, we need content for shows, so we can do all sorts of things. I'm sure Marcus will send us a bunch of stuff. Um, all right, we got Greg from Florida, dear Andy, Big Al, and Chip. Chip, the hell does he call me Chip for? Because we would had a segment where you talked about how cool it was that somebody was named Chip and that you wanted to be called that. Oh, that's People awesome. listen and they stick with this stuff. All right. Call we, me we, Chip. We have to remember our own dialogue. I know. Exactly. Man, I got a new name, Maverick. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think I don't so. think you're allowed to just take that one, <laughs> you can't. Joe. You can't just make up your name. <laughs> Someone else has to. Oh, God. And yours is Chip. All right, I think, Chip. I think Chip works for I you. love it. All right. Thanks, Greg. Uh, I stumbled upon your podcast several weeks ago, and the level of detail on the topics makes it the best financial podcast by far. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are big fans of Roth conversions, but I haven't heard you comment on the impact of state income tax on potential conversions. Uh, currently, my wife and I are moving from Colorado to Florida. We sold our Colorado home and paid off a $900,000 California investment home which we plan on moving into in three years. All right. If I follow Greg here, so he's Colorado. He's yep. moving to Florida. I guess for three years. Paying off a home in California. Yep. And he's moving to California in three years. That's what I'm getting Are to. we all on the same page? Yep. And he's 56, and he's got a job in Florida. Got it. I'm 56, and my Florida job will have an income of $290,000 for the next three years. Okay. My wife and I have the following in retirement savings. $1.1 million in 401k plans. $160,000 403p. 40k in a 457. $140,000 in Roth IRAs. He's got $750,000 in commercial real estate. $38,000 annual taxable pension starts at $59,000. $15,000 current annual non-taxable pension. All right. And $300,000 taxable equities and bonds in $150,000 in cash. All right, you've done very well. That's Greg. that's a lot of money. I, I it'd be fun if just once someone would write us with a big long question and say, "I have eighteen dollars in a four hundred one k. I get four dollars in a in a in a in a money market." Um, we will delay Social Security until age seventy, with an income of sixty seven thousand dollars a year. All right, we're planning on working part time from age sixty to sixty five for combined income of a hundred thousand dollars to help with expenses in retirement. We would like to live on $125,000 a year. Um, I was looking at starting Roth IRA conversions next year to the top of the 24% tax bracket, which isn't much. I was wondering if we should be more aggressive in converting to the 32% tax bracket since Florida has no income tax for the next three years. And then he's moving to California with high federal and state income taxes. If nothing... Um, if well, so then he's also talking about the increase in taxes in 2025. If nothing is going to prevent it, I started getting a headache figuring this out and thought I'd just uh, call the California experts to deal with it. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. All right. So <clears throat> let's see here. He is 56 years old. He's going to retire 
at he's going to work at 60 60. work part-time from 65 he's got a uh, probably uh let's see he's got a pension that's going to be paid out uh wants to live on 125,000 so there's not going to be a lot of drawdown from the overall accounts is what it sounds like right because from 60 to 65 he's still going to work part-time but he's got a pension coming in right and then so he's got 1.1 uh, 1.2, 1.3, call it $1.3 million in retirement accounts. So in the next 10 years, 56 to 66, he's going to wait until age 70. So that's 15 years until, you know, he might need a draw from this. I don't know. That Pro- could be about $3 million. $3 million bucks Plus, maybe. Right. And then he's then he's got to take an RMD, 4%. 120 k 120000 plus 70 uh, plus the other pension. Yep. So that's a couple hundred thousand bucks. Uh, yeah, minus minus the uh, standard deduction, which probably by then he'll probably be at the thirty thousand. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm gonna say at that well, time, going back to the old brackets, I'm gonna say twenty five percent bracket. Yep. Twenty five plus state is ten. Thirty five percent. Thirty five. Yep. So if you're converting at thirty two. That could be a good deal. Yeah, and then you get the time value money. I would absolutely convert to the 32 this year. Yeah, the other thing, too, well, is... Well, it depends on when you're listening to this, Greg. Uh, markets are down 30%. You convert to the top of... Or convert to the 32% tax bracket, pay the tax. You're not paying any state tax. And then now that 30% loss, right, keep it in equities. And then by the time you retire in five years, do you think that the markets are going to be higher or lower? Right, so you're, you're you're able to to take advantage of these crazy volatile markets um, by getting yourself in the right position tax wise. Yeah, the other thing I would say when age sixty to sixty five, where they're making a hundred thousand dollars working part time plus the pension of thirty nine, call it forty one forty. So uh, between federal and state, you know, they'll, they'll probably be they'll probably be in. I guess currently 22 plus 9, you know, probably 31%. So you can be doing conversions at that time as well. So, yeah, we're big believers of conversions, and particularly for, for you, Greg, because you've got so much money deferred. Right. And it sounds like a good saver. He's probably going to continue to save, right? Yeah. So, and then, but take advantage of the, the, the volatility at 32%. I think if I was sitting in your shoes, I'm not giving you advice, Greg. We're just a couple of kids having a couple of cocktails talking about taxes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because right. I mean, to do do this right, we would need to do full projections, which is why you're getting a headache. And I understand that. <laughs> yes. So. If you still have questions about Roth conversions, I've posted plenty of resources for you in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner right at the top of the podcast show notes to send in your money questions as a voice message or as an email, and the fellows will answer right here on the podcast just as soon as they can. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes. And don't forget to share YMYW with everyone you know who should care about their financial future, which of course should be everyone. So we got, um, this is a Tyke? Tyke. 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 It's a made-up name. Got it. From New York. Well, it is actually a Greek goddess. It's a Greek goddess of fortune and prosperity. All right. Um, hello, Joe, Al, and Andy. And you know what, by the way, with Josh's video. You're back on that. He's like, Big Al and Joe, how did you get first billing there? Because he, he wanted to critique <laughs> me first about my lack of tax knowledge. 
He just thought you were jackass. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right. If the shoe fits. Uh, I, I, you know what? That's I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, hello, Joe, Al, and Andy. I love your show. Just discovered it and listened to a bunch of shows. I'm 46. Uh, my 401k plan has an option for brokerage account to um, to access funds not in the plan. All right. Is investing this way good? What are the pros and cons? I want to get REIT fund, but the 21 funds the plan does offer does not have a REIT index fund. Also, the funds my plan does not have, um, I don't find much information about them in Google. Uh, they seem to be custom to the plan. Okay. Uh, what are these special funds? My plan is with Fidelity. Thanks for your show in educating us on stuff. I have really learned a lot. If I lived in California, I would definitely hire your firm as my advisor. Wow. That's very That's nice. sweet. Thanks. Taiki, Ta- um, name with help. Yeah, please don't use my name on the air. <laughs> so we don't really know her real name. Okay, Rebecca Smith. <laughs> <laughs> At 4452. Yeah, Main Street. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably is such a thing. Uh, all right. So she wants to go into the brokerage account and the 401k plan. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I just kind of keep it simple. Um, but well, yeah, you can. I pro- mean, there's the, a brokerage link and you yeah, have access to the, thousands the, yeah, of different investments. Well, see, that's the pros, right? You're not limited to the 21 funds in your plan. You can invest in virtually anything that that brokerage account has, which is usually just about everything. Um, yeah, and so she's got her plans through Fidelity, and I'm not sure where she works, but you know some of the larger plans have you know plan specific funds that are very large and very low cost, and so you probably can't, that they're institutional style funds. So that doesn't necessarily mean they're bad when you're trying to look them up on Google. You probably just need a little bit different software to to, to find the funds, right? Um, but looking here, you got U.S. Equity Index, Global Bond Fund. You got Fidelity. Uh, what GR? What is that? Probably Growth. I think it's gro- Growth Company Pooled Fund. Yeah, maybe that's just a company pooled fund of her employer. <laughs> 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 we are so good at this. <laughs> no wonder Josh is upset. Yeah, Josh, help us out. <laughs> I have no idea. Zero. Um, I, I don't know. So 46 years old, got a 401k, has a brokerage job. She wants to buy a REIT. It's, all right. Well, here, you want a lot more than that. You want all sorts of different asset classes. But you could do very well with just three funds, like total U.S. stock market fund, you total international fund. Or global fund, and then a, a, a bond fund. Yeah, I agree. Those are kind of the three main categories. And usually with those three, you've got small companies, mid-sized, large companies. you got value and growth, domestic and, and international. Yeah. So I would try to keep it as simple as possible um, until you probably get, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't think you got to keep it. I don't think you got to get too too creative with this and get in the brokerage link. and uh, but Unless you want to. But I, but I will say some people really like investing in real estate and a real estate investment trust, a, a, a publicly traded real estate investment trust fund that has daily liquidity, that's not necessarily a bad idea. And, and you probably can't do that in, in many 401ks. So the brokerage link would allow you to do that. So we're not against it, but we also don't necessarily want you to get so complicated that this gets out of control. All right. We got someone from Flint, Michigan. Cuddy. Cuddy. 
if a person has twelve million dollars, Alan, in tax deferred account, it is able to live on about six million dollars. Should he invest in total stock market index ETF with a stop order of six million? Will this be a sound strategy for retirement? The person is seventy nine. His wife seventy five plus 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 plus. <laughs> what do you think of that strategy, Al? I don't like it. I hate it. Figure out if you need six million dollars, what's your income that you need? You can make that super conservative, just so regardless of what else you got going. But so, and is able to live on about six million dollars. All right, they're eighty years and seventy-five plus plus plus. Yeah. So basically, what they're saying is what he's saying. Or they need two hundred forty thousand dollars to live off of, roughly. Yeah, at a four percent distribution, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so I got twelve million dollars. I put all in the stock market, right? And with a stop loss at, at six million. So if the stock market goes down fifty percent, at least I stop my losses. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just go in all fixed income? Yeah. Right. Be conservative. And, and, I mean, and, yeah. Because what are you trying to do? I mean, are are you trying to make the twelve twenty four? Is that the goal? And if that's the goal, then you can take a look at maybe a little bit more unique hedging strategies. But if you're just looking at a couple that is 79 and 75 years old, why on earth would you do something like this, especially in a tax-deferred account? When you got $12 million in a a tax-deferred account, I don't know if this is an IRA or if it's a variable or if it's an annuity, right? If it's in an IRA, your RMDs are through the roof. So if they can't live off of that and they have to take more, why are you doing stop losses and trying? I mean, the dis- it would completely blow this thing wide open. Yeah, I think that what you said is right. I mean, it depends upon what their goals are. If they have children, they want to grow this, then then there's one sort of investment strategy. If they don't particularly care about beneficiaries, maybe they don't have kids, then they can be real safe. Why not just be real safe on the whole thing? So it's like, all right, well, here, I can afford to lose six mil. Let's blow this thing up. Because, <laughs> yeah, why not, right? Let's roll the dice. Let's do an exchange and buy an apartment I building you, in Las I, Vegas. I, I guarantee you when the 12 million goes down to six million. He's going to be pissed. You're going to be pissed. <laughs> you guys said it was okay. No, we didn't. Yeah. Is this a pretty good idea? Cotty, no, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Don't do it. What do you think? Fair enough. Did that cover us from yeah, compliance? I think so. Okay, yeah. good. So we got our. What do we got here? Hello, this is Marcus from. Period. Oh, Marcus. Space. Marcus, Marcus. No, no. Uh, well, we know already. We already know it's Tennessee or Alabama. It's Alabama, Tennessee. Yeah. T- t- ten Alabama. We, we're still not clear on which one. <laughs> I think he lived in Alabama and then he goes to Tennessee. Yes. Or, or it's, it's, he commutes. But maybe. By this point, he's moved back to Alabama. I don't know. Well, we got the other guy that lives in Alabama, but roots for LSU. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. Well, Marcus has got to go talk to that guy and straighten him out. I wonder who Marcus roots for. Oh, my. Crimson's been. Crimson's <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't even say it because I'm a Florida Gator. <laughs> you can't. You're not allowed to say it. <laughs> I know. That just like, get choked up for Clemped. <laughs> All righty. It's like the Fonz. He couldn't say, I love you. Yes. Yeah, that stuff too. The Fonz. Good reference. (laughs) I don't even know who the hell that is because I'm so so young. Um, All right. First, I want to give a huge shout out for those listeners that have requested more YMYW episodes a week. Thank you for answering the call. Keep the question or request coming in. 
Now to the questions. All right, Marcus, what do you got today? Could you go over FIFO rules as it relates to long-term and short-term capital gains taxation? Dollar, does dollar cost averaging affect this in any way? Alan? FIFO, first in, first out. Yeah, first in, first out. So, uh, Marcus, you're talking about investments in your non-qualified account. So let's say you invest... Uh, non-retirement. Non-retirement, yep. Thank you. Uh, let's say you invest $100 a month into um, a Vanguard uh, index fund. Okay, and you do it each and every month, each and every month. And of course, every time you invest, it's a different stock price, right? And so when you, when you actually sell some of those shares, then the brokerage house will, unless you say otherwise, will do the average cost method, which means they take all your shares and all your costs and divide one by the other and figure, okay, that's your, that's your cost. But you actually can elect to do FIFO or actually direct cost, but FIFO is first in, first out, which just simply means if you put $100 in each month and you sell, let's say, a couple of years from now, $300 worth, so it takes the first investment you did in month one, the second investment you did in month two, the third investment in month three, whatever you paid for those three investments, that's your cost basis, right? So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is specific identification, which just says, you know what, I don't want to use average cost or FIFO, but I want to sell this one. I want to sell the one I bought in month 14 because that was... Uh, in, in that was March when it yeah, cr- crashed. Yeah, when it crashed. Or maybe the opposite. I want to say, sell a high one so I don't have a lot of taxable gain. You can actually pick which one you, you sell because you need X number of dollars and you want to pay the least amount of tax. So you can do that too. It's basically how you've elected it. Now that's, that's So anytime you sell something, you can elect either d- direct block, FIFO, or average. Yeah, I think you have. To, I think there's a default. I, I, I think if you want to do anything other than the default, you have to let the brokerage house know. Now, when it's a when it's an individual security, then it's 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 a little easier, right? Because now it's usually you're just. Well, I suppose you could be buying a little bit each month, and I suppose you could potentially do the same thing. But usually, when people buy securities, they use either FIFO or direct co- direct specific method. When you say well, they're all securities. What do you mean, like a like a stock, like an a, individual stock. Yeah, like thank you. Like Apple, you buy Apple shares in Apple. Yes, because a Vanguard index fund is technically a security. All right. Thank you, okay. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What are the pros and cons for beneficiaries of an individual brokerage account versus a joint brokerage account when it comes to cost basis once owner dies? I vaguely remember Big Al saying ages ago that having a parent and child joint brokerage account can be more harm than good, tax-wise, upon death of the parent owner. Can you provide more details around this? Uh, certainly. Uh, so it, 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 all, it all comes into effect on if a parent passes away, what your cost basis is, right? So if it's a joint account, it could be argued that uh, there's really no step-up in basis, or maybe it's a 50% step-up in basis because you own half. half the shares, your parent owns half the shares. If your parent owns it outright and they pass away, then it's a full step up in basis, meaning that let's say you, you spent $10 a share to buy Apple, and now it's $80 a share, which I have no idea what it is. I just made up an example. So now when your parent passes away and it's worth $80 a share, that is your new cost basis, $80 a share. So if you sell it the next day for $80 a share, there's no gain or loss. If it's in a joint account, in most cases, the way it works is you get a 50% step up, so only half of it steps up. Your part, your 50% ownership, doesn't step up. 
There's also potential issues on if it was your parents' account and they put it in your name, that could be a gift tax consequence and your parent would have to file a gift tax return. I'm less concerned about that these days with the high exemption on estate taxes because gift taxes and estate taxes are tied together. I got like super advanced on that one, but I just threw that in just for fun. Now, those that want to do a fact check can find out what I was really talking about. I t totally ignored it. I know you did. <laughs> I, I was like... It's like, really? He's going there? <laughs> when your voice stopped, that that I knew to step in. <laughs> That's how you do it? Yep. That's how you normally do it. <laughs> I don't, when, it's when like I hear when, a little bit of a pause. When, when there's a pause. Oh, I guess I need to talk. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what he said. Could, uh, yeah. could be right. If it's wrong, Josh will tell us. <laughs> All right. Lastly, uh, Joe, what is the purpose or benefit of a zero-coupon bond? Uh, this bond has come up a lot lately on YMYW, especially during Joe's world-famous insurance rants. Yeah, it did come up then. I do remember. <laughs> what is the advantage of owning a zero coupon bond compared to a regular bond? Thank you for your answers. Uh, I'm going to just be real brief here. Is that a zero coupon bond? Is that you're purchasing? It's like a, I, a, a double E bond or an I bond. Is that I'm purchasing a bond, let's say for fifty dollars, knowing that it's going to mature in a year at a hundred dollars. So a lot of corporations use these if they have debt liabilities, pensions, and things like that. So they're saying, I'm going to buy this at 50, and it's going to mature. There's no way it would do that because that's a huge rate of return. But yeah, I'm just right. giving you an uh, illustration. 100% interest rate. <laughs> yeah, that would be, be pretty good. What do they call that? Usury? Or usury. Usury, thank you. Yes, I can never usury. pronounce that Usury. Or, 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 <laughs> usury. Uh, or maybe you buy for $50 today. In 30 years, it will be worth $100. Okay. Um, so basically, you have the guaranteed payment of $100. You're only purchasing, only out of pocket today is $50. So you pay $30 today. $50 or $30 or, what, whatever, or whatever, whatever, whatever the price so, is. So when it matures, you get your 100 bucks. Correct. So, so the advantage to the issuers, they don't have to pay you currently. Cor yes. Yeah, so and, they, they like that. Right. And then you look at it and you say, okay, well, here, I, I don't need the money. There, I have a debt obligation or something like that, or I have a retirement, or I have a college fund, or I have... Um, something that I need to pay for, and I would like a hundred dollars then. So I'm only out of pocket today, and it's guaranteed by the issuer that right. I only have to pay thirty. That I know that I'm going to receive a hundred dollars in that time period. Yeah, there's no coupon payment, if you will. So like when you usually buy a bond, there's a coupon, so an interest payment that you know people live off of. But even though interest rates now I think are almost negative, almost uh, <laughs> just about. Where this is that, but it's still phantom income, so I'm not going to get too much in the weeds here. But it's for a, you pay thirty or fifty dollars over time. You're going to get the matured amount of whatever the bond is. Yeah, so. I know. I know we're out of time, but the problem is you have to pay taxes on it as you go, even though you're not receiving the money. But what's what's the advantage? The phantom income. Yeah. What's that's, the advantage of phantom income? No. What's the advantage of a zero coupon bond? It's like all negatives. That's what he asked. What's the advantage? That is it. I just explained the advantage. You weren't listening. <laughs> Touche. Right? Yeah, because I don't listen when you talk. I just talk with puzzles. <laughs> you pay 30 and it's worth $100 down the road. But wouldn't you rather get the money as you go? I, I don't get why that's an advantage, having to wait for your money. Okay. Because if I'm going to buy a bond, let's say, at a, a, a face value of $100, right? And then I get coupon payments along the way. I'm paying $100 for the bond versus 30 Also, let's say, depending on the bond, it could be callable, right? It gets called away. It, I mean, there's all sorts of different things. There's, there's a little bit of pros and cons. All right. 
Okay. Well, we got it. We got. We're done with this topic anyway. <laughs> what you want me to read the PS? Yeah. I have a couple more questions, but since you all only do one episode a week, I don't want to take up your time. So I'll save them for later. And they found it funny that Joe and Al didn't know about the derails. Because they don't listen, Marcus. We do Glad it once. somebody does. We don't have to listen to our nonsense yes. a second time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, I, I have no idea what the pros and cons are, Al. <laughs> All right. Let's <laughs> call your money well. Marcus, for you and the rest of the YMYW community that enjoy them, we do have a quick derail at the end of today's episode. Thank you all for listening and sharing the podcast, and please keep sending in your thoughts, your comments, and your questions. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. These are really trying times, and your retirement plan might be a little bit out of adjustment. You can click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to sign up for a no-cost, no-obligation financial assessment video conference with a certified financial planner from Pure. You'll learn about all sorts of different retirement planning opportunities that are available to you as a part of the new CARES Act stimulus package. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. This went down, the, the decline was more rapid than what typically happens in a, in a bear market, but nevertheless... You expected this, is what you're saying. I, I expected... You, you predicted it. No, I did not predict it. I expected a downturn, but the problem is yeah. we've been expecting a downturn for years, yes. right? So we yeah, but, just, we never yeah. know when. Very cool. So here, here we are. I just, you know, when people are like um, freaking out and their account values are down... Kind of feels like dirty. Go <laughs> like get our free guide. I don't know. It feels dirty. Like I'm selling something. Oh. Just, you know, to someone that's like down. Oh. That, that yeah, sense? but it's but it's free. You're helping. You're helping the needy. But it's a guide to help them remember why. I think you're you're being their charitable. Investment you're helping policy the needy. statement is a good idea. Yeah, I don't you're know. You're not selling. I just you don't know how to sell. <laughs> oh, I can sell you out. <laughs> <laughs> sell you right down the river. Forty-seven dollars, Al. <laughs>